We're here to bring comfort and clarity of mind to weary people that are in a hostile world. We're here to do that. We're, we're, we're a place where you can find your spiritual vocation. I know a lot of you think you're just running the sound or ushering or counting, counting the offering or serving the nursery, but it's way more than that. You're finding your spiritual vocation. You're getting out of the spiritual unemployment line and getting employment with God. Amen? But God has an even larger purpose for you beyond the therapeutic value of the church, which is to bring you comfort, inspiration, to be there when the babies are born and when there's a wedding and a funeral. Too many folks, too many folks have God at the invocation of life and the benediction of life, but not the in-between. That's what we want to talk about today. God has an even a larger purpose for your church than, than the therapeutic value of a church, though it's great. Your church is where you are to know and be known for the purpose of growing. Your church is where you grow. God has given you a church to help you get better at doing life. We have false notions and strange notions about spiritual growth. I've heard it for years. We want people to grow. We have a class. We're going to have a class. We'll even call it grow class. And you can get a certificate at the end of the class. But you, didn't, you know you didn't grow because you went to a class. We, see, we have a false notion that knowledge and positive emotive experiences mean we've grown. People will sometimes say that. I left that church because I wasn't growing. And when you talk to them a little bit, it's because the preaching wasn't interesting. It's because they weren't getting any new information that, or it wasn't being presented in a way that, was, that felt good or entertaining. We don't like to use the word entertaining, but we are performers and we do like a good performance. I would rather hear truth presented with a good performance with a guy can, you know, like yours truly, can throw in a few jokes and... <laughs> You know, make it fun. Oh yeah, there's nothing wrong. We are we are wired. We are wired to be comforted. We are wired for pleasure. We are wired to have fun. That's the way God made us. And I don't see anything wrong with making church as fun as possible. Life is tedious and hard enough to go to Sunday morning somewhere and be bored. I mean, well, you don't need that, right? But it doesn't mean you've grown just because you enjoy it. It doesn't mean you're growing, but growth means change, and change is usually painful and difficult. It doesn't mean you're growing just because you're learning. It doesn't mean you're growing just because you're getting information or you're being comforted. All those things are good. All those things have their place. All those things are things I've tried to make the point that we are obligated to do for you because we love you. But we need to know it's not growth. This week I actually got... The, the kind of the hook for this sermon from Brandy Gaudet. We're in the office and we're talking about the sermon and I'm asking questions. I'm asking, well, here's what I'm thinking about talking about. What do, you, what do you guys think it means to grow? And Brandy said this, to grow, you become a better version of yourself. So that's what I'm going to go with today. To grow, you become a better version of yourself. But it's not knowledge. It's not 
feeling good. An illustration is uh, Elise is driving now, okay? And I got the privilege, the great privilege of going to a parenting driving class. You know that now the parents have to go. Did y'all know this? I didn't know this until I got a text from Sherry that said I was signed up. That, that I, I guess she's not a parent of this child. <laughs> so I got to go sit in the, I mean, you th- the, the, this church is really comfortable compared to that class. I mean, the, 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 they must have especially designed hard seats to be that hard and that cold. And, and so we, we go there for, for two hours. Actually, very, uh, I came home saying, you know, that's a, that's a needed class. It's really needed. But Elise uh, goes to these classes but what if, uh, what if she went to these classes and got all these information and she came home telling us how incredible it is that she just, she just has learned all these things about, about parallel parking, about uh, 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 how to, how to, how to be, react to, to different situations and what to do, how to make a left-hand turn, uh, uh, what to do uh, when, when you can go right on red and when you can't. And when you see a stop sign, where are you supposed to stop? Are you supposed to pull all the way up to the stop sign into the crosswalk? Are you supposed to stop behind the stop sign? And she just had all this information, but yet she never drove. Would they give her a license? No, they they take you. You go to a driver's test to see if you can actually drive. And I can tell you that there was a learning curve between information and demonstration. As we begin to get in the car with her and she began to drive, and she, she did a great job, really, for somebody who'd never driven before. And she, but, but you know what's happening as she drives and she gets critiqued and she's really good. Elise is really, I don't know if Elise, I can't see if you're in here this morning, Elise, but Elise is really good about taking correction. She's really good when you say, Elise, you shouldn't have done that. That's not the way to stop. <laughs> she's, she's really good about receiving correction. <laughs> And she doesn't get defensive and all that. And she's just getting better and better. Now when I ride with her, I hardly have to say anything about you should have done that. You hardly have to say anything. Hardly have to offer any correction. Uh, you know, I, I even have actually been comfortable enough to look down at my phone a couple times. Whereas before I was, you know, alert, high alert. I remember uh, when Jason and I, Went out to the Super Bowl uh, three years ago. Thank you for those of you who sent us to fill a, a thing on my bucket list. And, and we get on the plane, and, and uh, a gentleman sits beside us. And, and begin, we begin to talk to him, and he was very friendly. And uh, finally, we'd like, what do you do for work? Well, I, I work for the New Orleans Saints, he says. And, uh, oh, yeah, really? Yeah. I'm, uh, it, it was happened to be some of you football fans will know. He was Marquise Colston, a wide receiver, all-pro wide receiver with the New Orleans Saints, who was writing and coach. I don't know. I guess they didn't pay him as well as I thought. Uh, but as, as Jay, he was sitting over the next to the window. Jay was in the middle. Jay began to talk to him about what, what he's doing. And he, he, was, uh, he had this uh, enterprise, a couple of enterprises. In fact, uh, Jay and the guys ended up building a website for him and stuff. He, he, uh, he, uh, he had this enterprise where they... Uh, give analytics to young athletes, and, 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 and they would show them, here's, here's how high a professional can jump, here's how high a professional at your position, fast, uh, how fast a professional at your position can run, but here's where you're at. 
And so if you expect to make it as a professional, here's how high you've got to be able to go. Here's how fast you've got to be able to go. Here's how whatever metrics they use. Sometimes in church, though, we're just like, oh, will you serve in the nursery? Great. We don't, we don't care as much as we ought to for you. It's our fault. It's not your fault. It's our fault. To say, okay, what can we do to help you get better? What can we do to help you get better in a way that when you go home, your children will realize it? Your spouse will realize it. Your, your employer at work tomorrow will realize somebody's helping you get better. And I want the answer to be my church. My church is helping me get better. See, growing has a balance of good information. It, you, there, are, there are classes and there are books to read. Observable demonstration, though, and biblical correction. Those are the three components of growth. Information, good information, observable demonstration, and biblical correction. There's no growth without those components in play. Now, now let, let me make an important clarification You may be in some unique growth relationship somewhere else that I'm not aware of. So I'm not here to condemn you at all. You might be in some unique growth relationships. You might have a group of Christians at work. You may have a group of Christians on your street and you're in a unique growth relationship with them. They don't happen to go to the same church that you come to. There there are those situations, but they're the exception. Also, I'm not offended, and you need to know this. We're not offended if you don't want to live transparently with us. We are not offended at all. That is your right. If you want to just come and be blessed, and you want to receive, and you want a place that gives you comfort, and a place that, that gives you brings some joy to your life and breaks up your week, and a place where you can bring your kids to great programs, God bless you. We are not offended at you. We don't have the right to, to, to change you. That is not our right to change you and to make you into what we think God wants you to be. But if you would like to grow, you would like to be transformed. If you would like to become, if you would like for this body, this church, if you would like for those of us here to help you to become the person that you really want to be and you really think God wants you to be, then Help us get better at doing it. Okay? Is that a deal? It's, yeah, great. Appreciate that. It's a golf clap, but I appreciate it. It's not mostly your fault that the church over-informs and under-trains. There's a lot of reasons for it. One thing, we fear, we are so afraid of being called judgmental. We fear that. Because we've, we've tried, as a leadership group, we have tried to be uh, live transparently, and we've tried to sometimes offer correction. And the, uh, you always hear, "You're judging me." Okay, I always say, "I think you're judging me," because you just judge. You just said I was judgmental, so you just announced a judgment. Okay, but that never goes anywhere. That conversation. <laughs> Also, it's hard work. This is hard work with, with, without any short-term success. It's hard work without short-term success. What I'm preaching about today will make us grow personally, but we won't have 100 more people in church next Sunday. In fact, you may have a few less people in church. 
We start trying to help people grow. Also, we often model and reward what I call lone rangerism. We often reward that. Let me ask you, among your friends, especially your church friends, do you have any growth conversations or growth relationships? Are all of your growth, or all of your relationships and all of your conversations, are they hero-victim conversations? Hero-victim, you know hero-victim? is You talk about who hurt you, what's hurting you, what's frustrating you, and the other person tries to make you feel better. There's nothing wrong with those conversations. I want some of those conversations, believe me. Sometimes I don't want to grow. I just want to hug. (laughs) There ain't nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you just want somebody to soothe your frazzle feelings and nerves. But do you have any growth conversations? Do you have any growth relationships? Do you have any relationships where you know and are known? In fact, we have in in the history, we have an example. We have an example. Some of us remember. Some of us remember a character that we used to watch on, I think it was Saturday mornings, I believe. Can't remember. It's been a long, long time. But we used to watch this character who would show up and do something fantastic. Save the day. Catch the criminal. Make things better. And then jump on his horse right away. In fact, to make the point, for those of you who weren't privileged to grow up when I grew up, I decided to show you a clip, a video clip. And the the quality is very poor, so you have to be very quiet and hear it. And also, please ignore the racism. (laughs) Okay? I just want to say that. Some of the people said I shouldn't say that, but I want to say that so you know that I, we know it's there, okay? We realize that, that, it, that it's there. But I just want to show you the kind of person that you don't want to be if you want to grow. Okay, let's, let's roll it. Are you a sheriff? Hello, Cavendish. Didn't think you'd catch him, partner. Now we got the whole dang bunch. You and your men are to be congratulated, Sheriff. Thanks. But if it hadn't been for you, we'd have gotten nowhere. I'll be with you in just a minute. I'll take care of this one personally. Come on. The unit's over. Now, Cavendish can't catch a team of Tavi. You take off, Matt. I'm going to continue to wear the mask and keep my identity a secret. For how long? Our job has just begun. We have a lot of trails to follow. That good. Sheriff, before the lockup, do you mind telling me who the masked man is? Wouldn't mind at all, except that... Hey, where'd the masked man go? He and his Indian pal are going out to get the horses, Sheriff. Well, I guess he isn't one to stick around for a party. But who is he? I don't rightly know his real name, but I've heard him called... The Lone Ranger. 
We all know that. We've, I've, all, I've been that guy. You, you want to swoop in and drop your offering in the plate and leave. Where did that masked man go? You want to come in and serve as an usher? Do a fantastic job, count the money. You want to go in and do a fantastic job in the nursery? And then, where did the masked people go who made our Sunday so great? <laughs> Listen, your church is uniquely qualified to help you grow. It really is. There's no safer place on earth to grow than your church. Because your church, here's, I'm going to give you some reasons why. Your church is commanded to love you no matter what. This is the only place that's commanded to love you no matter what you do. There's no no punishment for needing to grow. There's no punishment for failing to grow. There's no punishment for refusing to grow. Every other place in your life, you you will get punished for not improving. At work, you won't get promoted. You might even get fired if you don't improve. On your sports team, you may get benched. You may get kicked off the team if you don't improve. Every place in your life, every place in your life at school, you, you will get a big fat F and it doesn't stand for faith if you don't improve. You may have to take the class over if you don't improve. If you don't improve. Every single place in your life is performance-based. Only the church of Jesus Christ is grace-based. Only in the church. Only in the church are we commanded to love you even if you don't want to grow and refuse to grow. We're still commanded to put our arms around you, love you, receive you, pray for you, and hope that someday you will want to change. Luke 13, 7, So he said to the man who took care of the vineyards for three years, this is a picture of what the church is like, For three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, haven't found any, cut it down. Why should you use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, this is the church. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Only the church has the anthem that sings and says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch. <laughs> no other, no company in town wants to hire a wretch. No sports team wants a wretch. But the church of Jesus Christ is built on wretches. Amen? It's built on failures. Each one of us, our text we're going to read in a moment says, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ's proportion. Grace is the GPS of life. Don't you love it? Your GPS, if you miss a turn, it says recalculating the route. I'm so glad they don't, Siri doesn't say, you idiot. (laughs) You're hopelessly lost now. But she says, or he, or whatever voice you have says recalculating the route. How many of you ever had God say, recalculating the root? <laughs> Raise your hand. Hallelujah. There's no safer place on earth to grow than the church because your church is multi-generational. 
There's no other organization that I can think of where you can go and you can sit with your great-grandchildren, your grandchildren, your children, and yourself. Four generations can be in one organization. Four generations can be in one room. Can you even imagine the untapped resources of growth that we have in this room because we have a multi-generational situation. It's incredible. It's really incredible. In fact, uh, let's see, is, is Christy here and Sherry here? Just, just, I just want to illustrate, and is Aaliyah here? No, uh, Eden's here. Y'all come up here. Let me just show you. Uh, it's, just, it's just going to be quick, and we're just going to, I'm just going to show you a visual of what happens. And uh, Nana, would you come? Now, we, I won't make you come up here, but just, just come and stand right here. And I want to show you what we have in the church that we don't have anywhere else that I can think of in society. Just, just stand, uh, oldest to youngest. Just stand in single file. You're the oldest. Yeah, I'm just telling you right now. Where can you have this in society? Where can you have, where can you have truth being spoken? And believe me, a lot of truth gets spoken in this group right here. <laughs> what a treasure, what a treasure to have a room with four, maybe there could be five, but all I can think of is there could be four generations. Thank you guys, thank you. Four generations. There's no safer place on earth to grow than your church because your church has exalted the kindest, gentlest, wisest, and purest one who ever lived as the measure of personal growth. Critics and fans alike seldom disagree on this assessment of the man, Jesus Christ. Atheists, agnostics, and, and Christians seldom disagree with the core values lived and taught by Jesus. Even all those religions that don't assign Jesus' deity as we do, still assign him respect. Do a brief study of the founders of every major religion. Do a brief study of every founders. Do a Google search when you get home today of every other major religion and compare them to Jesus. They don't even belong in the same conversation. Do I think your church is superior? Do we, do we think our church is superior? Well, actually, yes, we do. Only the best for the best. Only the best for the best, right? The man Jesus Christ was everything God intended for a human to be. This is not just about being a Christian. This is about being a human. Jesus Christ is everything God intended for a human to be. That's why we can go out into the culture. We can go out into the world and we can teach Jesus' behavior. We can teach the virtues of Jesus even to people who do not receive him as Lord and Savior. We will, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. There's no safer place to grow than your church because the wisdom and knowledge of the church is based on the most well-researched, most intensely critiqued, the most verified and confirmed book known to man. The guidebook for the Christian faith is the most quoted book by the non-churched, 
and the most comprehensive book for covering all the major categories of human experience. Absolutely, hands down. The Bible remains the number one bestseller of all time, and we, the church, owns the book. I said we own the book. It's our book. Do you get that? If the book, if the Bible were written today, Bethany Community Church would be in it. I'm serious. There would be a letter to Bethany Community Church if the Bible were written today. This is our book. You just, you could just put that on Facebook. This is our book. The Bible is our book, and I'm proud of the Bible because it is amazing. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What an amazing verse. I wish we had time to expound on that verse. Personal growth. I believe. I, I, I love all that other stuff, and I always talk about it at the beginning of this series. I talk about the, all the things the church does. I love the fact that we try to perform as well as we can. We're not, you know, you want to compare? That's not a good idea. But, uh, but I think we do okay. But we perform. We try. We try to make you feel loved. We, we, we try to make you feel comforted. We try to do all those things. But I'm just a little concerned that sometimes we miss the greatest thing. What's, what's, the most, what's the most valuable thing that we really could offer you and that you could offer me? So this is the two-way straight, by the way, is to help us all grow and become better people. Better people for our employer, better people for our family, better people for our neighborhood, better people for our world. That, that's got to be a little more important than that the, that the church comforts me or cheers me up. I mean, I'm not saying that's not important, but that's just got to be the most important. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16 is really where I want to settle in for the, rest, for the next 10 minutes or so. But to each one of us, grace has been given as a God Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Circle that gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, just as each part does its work. Now, amen. Paul is referring here to a scene that was well known to his audience, not so much to us. He's referring to a scene that was well known in the first century and before. It was the scene of a conquering king parading prisoners and the gifts that he had confiscated 
down Main Street. The king would go and he would win battles. And he would come back and he would bring the prisoners and he would march them through the streets. Bringing shame on them and bringing glory to himself. And also he would go down the street and he would bring uh, carriages and carts filled with the, 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 the things that he had confiscated. All the, all the goods and, and, and gifts and amazing things that he had, horses that he had captured from the, from the country that he went to and cattle. And so everybody would see a parade of what their king had accomplished. Well, Jesus Christ did the same thing. Jesus conquered sin on the cross. And, and he parades not prisoners that are bound, but he parades liberated prisoners. He parades prisoners who, will free, who were freed. In fact, Christ literally went to a place that, that we call paradise in the scripture where people had to stay. People who, who had lived in faith but had to stay until Christ died from the dead. And Christ, according to scripture, I know it's kind of a fanciful tale for in today's world, but this is what the Bible teaches. And he took those people that, had been, that could not have entry into heaven because the price for sin had not been paid. And he went, and in that interim period between when he died on the cross and he'd appeared to his disciples three days later, he transported all of those people to heaven. Those were the prisoners that were set free. They weren't bound, but they were set free. But not only does he parade the, 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 the liberated prisoners down the street, which I'm a liberated prisoner as well today. He, not only does he parade our liberation down the streets, he also parades his gifts. And he shows off the gift that he received. Now, what are the gifts? The gifts are found in verse 11. The verse 11 says, He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service. The gift that the resurrection of Jesus Christ bought for you was your church. I, I, I thought that would get an amen. The gift that Jesus Christ bought for you was your church. Amen? A relationship with people who love you no matter what, who have your best interest at heart, who hold up Jesus as the example and the word of God as the guide. What a great place. By the way, you can be concerned about the church, and there are some reasons to be concerned. You can read all the articles, and they're all out there, about declines in church membership. And I see it. It is concerning. But don't let your concern become worry. Because the church is going to be fine. The church is going to be fine. The church is going to be fine because nobody can do what we do. Because this is born of the Spirit. Not because we're great. Not because I'm great or any of the team's great or, or because you're great. It's because of Jesus Christ. Because he said, I'm going to build my church. He, he, Jesus could have built anything he wanted to build. He could have built a company. He could have built a sports team. He could have built uh, a building. He could have built an edifice. He could have built anything he wanted to build. 
but he didn't build any of that stuff. He left that up to people. You go build your buildings, build your nations, build your amusements and your entertainment, your sports. I will build my church. Hallelujah. I love the church. I love the church. I don't know about you. An added bonus of this passage is easily overlooked. This passage blows up the distinction between my spiritual life and my secular life. Who is not the winner if you become better at handling your finances, more able at regulating your emotions, more ethical in your dealings, more faithful at showing up for your responsibilities, more joyful in carrying out your duties, better steward of your physical body, more cheerful in your personality, more compassionate and empathetic, more biblical in your parenting, more Christ-like in your marriage, more skilled at relationships, more humbly and capably of saying, I was wrong, please forgive me. More courageous in speaking out for victims of injustice. More reliable as a friend. More capable of offering acceptable correction to others. Less cold, rigid, arrogant, argumentative, prickly, isolated, and self-absorbed. Who doesn't, who won't appreciate that, (laughs) right? We're called to build great churches, but only if our intent is to build great people. I love that video. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Melissa, as you made that point so well that coming to this church has helped us to become better people. So how do we make it work? How do we make it work? How can you get better at getting better? Well, to grow here, attend with appreciation and honor. Daily, we all cheerfully, we do it in the rest of our life. We humbly bow to the confidence of others. We, we drop our little treasures off at school and we submit to the competence of those teachers and staff. We, we go to our, our work and we submit to the competence of those who are over us. We, we go to uh, our leisure parts of our life and whatever we like to do for leisure, we will go and take lessons. We like to dance, we like to play golf or whatever. You can take lessons for everything, right? Whatever you like to do, if you like to shoot a gun or if you like to drive a boat or whatever, you, you can go take lessons. And so we go and we pay big, good money to submit to other people's competence. And, you know, we go, uh, Steve Mugrass, we go to a physical trainer. And Steve's a physical trainer. He, he will teach you how to break somebody's nose. I mean, he's a, he trains MMFA fighters or whatever you call that. It, <laughs> if, if Steve, if I were to come to you, what if I came to you and I said, you know, you look at this body, right? <laughs> I'm like, Steve, can you help me? But everything you told me to do, you said, well, I know better than that. Oh, I, no, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that that's wrong. I, I looked that up on the internet, this other guy. <laughs> you would just like, I'd have to pay you a lot of money to keep coming because that would be a pain in, in, the, in the derriere, right? <laughs> to, have, to have some guy who doesn't honor you. 
But if I'm going to get better, I got to come and I got to I got to uh, uh, I got to assign to you respect, or I'm not going to I'm not going to grow. I got to assign to you respect, even if I don't want to do it, and if if it's going to it's going to hurt, right? You're going to hurt me. You are absolutely going to hurt. That's why I don't come. That's why I don't do it. I, How are we going to get better with our church if we don't treat our church with any honor or respect? I'm not talking about cults. You know, that's, so, that's, that's a different subject, is joining a cult. No, this has nothing, nothing to do with that. But it's about the normal honor and respect that you show everywhere else in life. If you want to grow here, now you don't have to. We're not offended if you don't want to grow. Not offended at all. We love you. We're just happy. We're happy you're here. I mean, we're happy you're a blessing, however you want to be a blessing. But I'm just saying, if you want to grow, attend with honor. Secondly, to grow here, attend with purpose and expectation. To prepare God's people for works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up. Verse uh, down the line there, verse 14, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. Did you get it? This is not some, oh, these people are going to control me. I don't want people to, this is not about controlling you. This is about setting you free. This is about setting you free to be the best person you could possibly be for all kinds of other people in your life. You might even, you might even get a raise at work doing, getting better, you know? Who knows? Your marriage might get incredible by doing better. You, you, this is all about you enjoying, this is all about you having a, a life. This is all about, let me say it. I'll get it out here in a minute. This is all about human flourishing. I said, this is all about, look at your neighbor and say human flourishing. This is all about human flourishing. The church has to be healthy before it can be helpful. Finally, to grow here, attend with connection and commitment with, un, with authenticity. Speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him who is the head that is Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. There's nothing about going to a class there. And, and going to class is good. You need to go to class. You need to go to a community group. You need to do those things. It's about being connected with other people. Growth doesn't happen on a schedule. It happens in the unplanned moments of life when you do something and somebody calls you on it. It's a growth moment. There's no growth in the comfort zone. And there's no comfort in the growth zone. Right there? You got that? That, that? I didn't think of that myself. I wish I had. There's no growth in the comfort zone. And there's no comfort in the growth zone. It's those moments in relationship where this happens. That's usually where we grow. Usually it's when you have, start having conflict with somebody. Don't look at it as conflict. It's not conflict. It's grow time. It's grow time when you start having that. Imagine. Imagine a place where it's safe to be wrong. It's safe to be unholy. It's safe to be uninformed. It's safe to be a failure. It's safe to be incompetent. It's safe to be foolish. It's safe to be unwise. It's safe to be immature. 
we bring our babies home and it's, we make it safe for them, for them to be a, a canal that makes demands on one end and takes no responsibility on the other. It's safe. It's safe. We don't kick them out. We love them. Imagine a place where, in the words of the late Dr. Robert Schuller, it's a hospital for sinners, not a museum of saints. That's your church. That's your church. Also, though, hang with me. I know you want to get down here and pray about this. Imagine a place where it's also honorable to be right, to be wise, to be informed, to be exemplary, to be wise, and to be knowledgeable. That's your church also. Imagine a place where it's normal to speak the the truth in love, whether that truth be a confession of my failures or the loving correction of someone else's. That's your church. A place where we follow Christ and laying down our lives for one another, but not because we have a death wish, but because with every intention in our life, we plan on rising up again and living a much improved life after we've laid it down. Paul David Tripp said, Sin is a scourge you cannot beat on your own. Grace is a cure only God can give. Humble confession is the only way from one to the other. Imagine, imagine that I believe, I understand, your purpose is to help me. And I cannot be what I want to be without your input. That God wired it up that way. Father, as we come before you today, we know that we will not say a prayer that will by itself cause us to grow. But we know that we can have a shift in our, our hearts, in our attitude, that can put us on a new path. And I pray that somebody in the sound of my voice will in these seconds that we're praying right now, will let their heart shift, will let their mind shift, their attitude shift from one who's full of fear, fear that others will find out that they're not perfect, fear that others will find out that they don't know what they don't know, to an attitude of absolute love, real, genuine humility that says, yes, Lord, I need the help of others to be who I need to be. Prayer partners are here today. If you're new to our church, this is called Response Time at Bethany. And we invite you to come up and be prayed for. Maybe what you want to pray for has to do with what you just heard in this sermon. And you want somebody to pray with you to help you to make a decision that you know this sermon has called you to make. Maybe you're out there and what you need to pray for has nothing to do with anything I just preached. But it's just about something you're going through in your life. Maybe you've decided... I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I want to be forgiven of my sin. And I want to start a new life today. That's the people I want to come down and be prayed for right now. Also, there's communion. For those of you who just want to have a time of personal worship, and you want to take your life and bring it before God for a few minutes, and let Him bless you and encourage you and launch you into a great week. God bless you as we enter into a response time.